is our way of like grabbing the bull by the horns post row. People refer to Texas as a red state, when in reality, most Texans do want abortion access and access to reproductive services. I don't want people to just watch the news and be outraged. I want uh -huh. them to feel motivated to take action. This is not a place where we have nothing we can do. As the battle over abortion rights rages across America, lives are at stake. Barriers to reproductive health care access have forced many people to travel long distances and to cross state lines to freedom of choice, for their body, for their future, and for ours. You'll hear the stories from the front lines, from those seeking abortion care and the heroes who helped them along the way, one journey at a time. This is Crossing the Line. As states across the U.S. move to restrict abortion following the Roe v. Wade overturn, pro-choice activists are moving just as fast, finding creative ways that ensure access to reproductive health care any which way they can. In Arizona, there's a push to add an amendment to the November ballot that would codify abortion rights in the state's constitution. Natasha Chavez headed to the state capitol to help gather signatures for the ballot initiative. I was getting texts from my coworkers saying, hey, we need help. We're just getting signatures left and right. There's so many people here that we can't keep up. So, hey, come down to the Capitol. I'm like, okay, I just picked up my daughter. I can do it. I'll be there. Her daughter came along. I'm Amelia, and I'm eight years old. As the great-granddaughter of renowned labor leader and civil rights activist Cesar Chavez, Amelia has civic engagement in her blood. Her mom, Natasha, elaborates. We come from an organizing activist background. This is what your family would do. You know, you're following in line of your Tata Caesar. You're following in so many civil rights heroes' footsteps. A pro-choice protest was underway in the courtyard of the Capitol, and the protesters were eager to sign petitions for the initiative. I've brought my children to protests their whole lives, even in the womb. I want them to be aware of what's going on in the world. There's definitely some protesting and some chanting. I couldn't quite make out what they were saying, but we got to the canopy where people were collecting the signatures. And then we hear what sound like fireworks, but it's the flash, like the bang. And I saw this like fireworks and stuff. And we're like, oh gosh, what's that? And then not even maybe a minute or two, that's when the tear gas happened. Breaking news as flashbangs and tear gas go off in downtown Phoenix. Police officers firing tear gas into a crowd of protesters from the windows of the state capitol. Protesters say they did not hear a warning before the tear gas was deployed near the Senate building. They were tear gassing us, so my mom pulled me away. We were far enough to where it occurred that we weren't directly in the line of it, but it's tear gas, it travels. I can see where my car is, but to get to my car, I can see there's smoke. So we try to walk a different direction. I got a little bit of tear gas in my eyes. It stinked my eyes and stuff. I was scared. And she's telling me that her eyes are burning. We luckily found some random woman who had a spray bottle that had milk and magnesium that helps folks when you get tear gas in your eyes. So they sprayed her eyes with milk in it. And they didn't give us a warning before they tear gassed us. I think they knew that there were kids there. Even if there's like only adults, it's not right. 
Natasha never expected that her daughter would face violence for exercising her constitutional rights. As a mother who has my child there, had I heard even one warning of, hey, you're at an unlawful assembly, you guys need to leave now or else, I'd be gone. There's no way I would have stayed there. If you felt like you gave a warning with the number of people in the crowd, you did not give a loud enough warning to tell people that you were about to do that. Yeah, I really just don't know how to explain it. It was crazy, and I don't get why they did that. I have open and honest conversations with my children. They understand that there are some police officers that don't always do good things, and especially when they see me crying about those situations or when we're at protests, I, I have to tell them why I'm upset or why we're at this event. But I don't think ever I or, or her as an eight-year-old would ever imagine that that would happen to her. 1,200 miles away in McCallum, Texas, South Texans for Reproductive Justice, or STRJ, have devised their own way to counter the escalating attacks on access to abortion by providing information and resources. So if you want any awas, they're in there. Oh, awesome. What do we get? It is, they didn't have horchata, so we went with piña and lemonade. Piña. Yeah, it's really good. Hey, how we doing? Good. Volunteers gather for a packing party, creating safe sex kits that will be distributed throughout the Rio Grande Valley, an area close to the Mexican border that has a high immigrant population. How are you doing? Thank you for coming. Hi, what was your name? I didn't catch your name. Oh, Stephanie. Stephanie, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. I'm Denny. Hi. <laughs> nice to officially meet. So they have you all doing the condom packages, correct? Yes. Okay, cool. If you need anything, I'll be around. Just flag me down. Okay. <laughs> Denny Arona, Noemi Pratt, and Melissa Arona co-founded STRJ in 2014. They had spent years volunteering their time as patient escorts, hosting benefits to raise money for abortion care, and organizing groups to turn out at pro-choice rallies. For a long time, a lot of things came out of our own pocket. Mm -hmm. For example, when we were doing clinic escorting, and we had waters for folks that would come out and help us, we bought that and stuff. We, we bought you know, the speakers. Bought, yeah, the and then every other tactic that we had, the speakers, the umbrellas, the chairs for us to just sit and, you know, um, be able to be outside in the Texas heat, yeah. all that. At so, benefit events, the prizes, out-of-pocket, also a lot of the... <laughs> a lot of it. A labor of love and necessity. As Texas began to enact more restrictive abortion bans, STRJ started making and distributing their safe sex kits to put power and choice back into the hands of individuals in the state. Yeah, we try to do the first Saturday of every month. It, it does vary depending on, you know, holidays and schedules, but right. we're trying to be consistent about that. So we mailed almost 6,000 tests yes, this year. up to this point yeah. this year. We have some of the higher numbers in, in sense of requests, Right, and how much we can actually output because we're able to pack like this and ship out um, in big bulk uh, versus maybe other areas that are not able to do that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just proud of us. Yeah. Denny directs the volunteers. Hi. Are you here to volunteer? Yeah. Yay! What's your name? Sessie. Sessie? Cool. Thank you for joining us. So we got different stations going on right now. Uh, we just have everything divided into uh, stations, but so yeah, we start 
With the plan B, basically... A critical component of their safe sex kits is plan B, also known as the morning after pill. These pills offer an immediate option if birth control fails, but they can be hard to get following the overturn of Roe. And they aren't cheap. With the shortages, Instagram, TikTok, and Discord feeds fill with comments on the topic. Raise your hand if you feel like you need a refresher on the morning after pill or emergency contraception. Yeah, if you uh, if you live in Texas, you might want to save, share this, send to your friends. It's kind of important. How much plan B's cost? Like 40? How does the plan B pill even work? Here's your daily dose of health facts. It just prevents ovulation in that one cycle, no long-term impact. Due to the increased demand for plan B, STRJ has had to cut back on the number of pills they can distribute in each free kit. It used to be two boxes, now we just do one. Okay. Um, and then we include resources in here as well. So this will all go out together. Then we also do two pregnancy tests, six premium condoms, and two packets of lube. How many condoms are going in those zebra packs? It's pretty much one of each. Yeah, these are the pregnancy tests. These are the lube, glow in the darker green. Yeah, and this flavored. is flavored. Like specialties. Uh -huh. Yeah, the fun ones okay. are like. Yeah. Rocky Gonzalez is another longtime activist in Texas who is helping to facilitate reproductive freedom. What is unique to Texas is the aggressive nature of the desire to criminalize people at all like intersections of abortion access and abortion funds and abortion advocacy groups in Texas have actually been a safety net in the enormous gaps in the state of health care in our state. With Texas law now criminalizing anyone who seeks abortion care beyond six weeks of pregnancy, or those who aid them, this work is even more critical. I am the founder and director of the Red Moon Project, a new advocacy effort in Texas founded by abortion providers, funders, and advocates to prove that abortion is not a losing issue in Texas and to fill in the capacity gap in our state for fighting for abortion rights. What we're seeing right now really highlights the intersection between criminal justice and reproductive justice in terms of the way that people are being criminalized in Texas for their pregnancy outcomes and alleged abortion crimes. Even though the work that STRJ does here is well within the law, they aren't taking any chances, as Denny notes to volunteers. So we have a disclaimer on there now. We're just trying to be super clear that we're in compliance with the law and that like sharing this information is within our first amendment right. Only because right now in Texas, everybody is kind of under the threat of aiding and abetting an abortion. Since the fall of Roe, the local community in the Rio Grande Valley has really stepped up. I'm so excited. There's so many people. We've actually never had like a group this big. We might finish kind of quickly. They went through the unboxing like at lightning fast speed. Like I am trying to keep up. Karina Gonzalez is one of those who turned out for the packing party. I grew up on the border and you know many people don't have access to medical care. Forget abortion care, just medical care. We're very far away just physically, geographically. Getting out of the valley is just a literal barrier for a lot of people. The Rio Grande Valley is at least four hours from any major Texas city. And that's if you have access to a car. Maybe in other states, people might not understand that just getting out of Texas is 
very difficult for a lot of people. Mostly we are an impoverished area. Those low-income families that cannot just hop on a plane and go to another state. As a ninth grade English teacher working in the public school system, Karina sees firsthand the desperate need for reproductive education and resources. The age of kids that I work with definitely kind of need these resources. The younger people in our community, they don't know where to turn. I was very surprised when I started working that there is no more sexual education in Texas and we definitely do see the repercussions of it. It holds down our community. Too many people think that just by restricting access or by restricting that conversation, it's just going to go away. But of course we know that it doesn't. You don't stop abortions, you only stop safe abortions, uh, that's safe access. So I think it's very cool that a lot of people are here today. And it makes me really happy to know that about my community. I think there's definitely a lot more people who are gonna fight and who are ready to put in the work. And yeah, that, that makes me really happy. <laughs> Meanwhile, a thousand miles north in Kansas, Local activists are mobilizing to oppose a referendum that would repeal abortion rights in the state constitution. This is a, a case study for what's happening across the country for a lot of people fighting for abortion rights. The vote will be an early bellwether for how Americans are thinking about abortion as we lead up to the midterms. A yes vote would remove the constitutional right to an abortion for Kansans. If it fails, abortion would remain a constitutional right. The election is just under two weeks away now with advanced voting already underway. We're gonna be the first place in the country to have voters speak on this specific issue and make their voices heard. It's not okay for politicians to be trying to insert themselves into our healthcare decision. And it's not okay to have these extreme bans on access to the full range of reproductive healthcare services. A special election vote on the ballot measure is set for August 2nd. Pro-choice activists across the state train volunteers on voter outreach. Congresswoman Sharice Davids from Kansas's 3rd District takes the stage. Thank you for all the work you're doing. Thank you for everybody for all the work you're doing. Because, um, I mean, you already, you already heard some of the specifics about why it's so important that you all are out knocking on doors, that you're talking to your friends, that you're making phone calls. Changing the world looks like a lot of phone calls and emails. You're inspiring to me and, and honestly have helped keep me um, feeling optimistic because I know that you're having conversations, you're um, changing hearts and minds, and it's so, so important. So um, thank you all so much for the work you're doing. Y'all are saving democracy and people's rights. Yeah. 
Adam is training volunteers on canvassing to defeat the referendum. Like it is our job to help them learn how to navigate the process. And it's deliberately made confusing because they don't want folks, like the folks that we're talking to, to be able to go vote. Do you all have any questions about any frequent issues you all are seeing out on the doors for our pros that you want to raise? I say, is there any question that we can answer for you? And yeah. if they go, I'm still confused. Do I vote yes or no? And I just say, just remember no. Yeah. It's totally confusing. <laughs> I'm often surprised. It's kind of like, where do you go vote? Yeah. <laughs> That's a key point where we're teaching people how to go vote. Right? Because oftentimes, people in our universes are only voting once every four years. We're teaching them how to build those muscles. People are confused by the Supreme Court decision. People still do have the right to abortion here in Kansas, and we want to make sure it's safe. Kansas is a traditionally conservative state with deep roots in the anti-abortion movement. Pollsters believe the vote will be tight. 47% of Kansas voters plan to vote yes on the ballot measure, while 43% plan to vote no and 10% are undecided. The poll also shows 43% of Kansas want no restrictions on abortions, but only 5% agree with a total ban. 19% are okay with exceptions in the case of rape, incest, and health. But activists are convinced that Kansans will reject the referendum if they can just get enough folks to the polls. Susan Martin isn't taking any chances. She's leading the canvassing effort. I, I have been working probably nine hours a day, six, six days a week, just volunteering. There are phone banks, there's all these canvas opportunities, there's fundraisers, there's text banks. So I'm trying to get my precinct. miles, take the I-70 West, US-40 West exit toward Topeka. So I've got maybe 70 precinct people that are knocking on doors and talking to voters about the amendment and mostly getting people out to vote. Okay, let's do this. With just three days left to get out the vote, a special software program helps target as many voters as possible. So what we are doing right now is calling on voters in a specific area and that's the doors, it'll pull up all the doors that we should knock and then we'll go enter data from our conversation, the software updates it daily. So like if they've already voted, it'll update so nobody knocks, that everybody knows that these people have voted and they're good. Hi, George. Yes. This is, I'm Susan Martin and this is Ron. Hi. Um, hi, I'm with the Kansas for Constitutional Freedom and we were just gonna ask you a question. Sure. about the upcoming election. So are you how, sure how are you positioned on the on the vote no or the amendment? About the, the abortion thing? Yeah. I don't really know much about it. Yeah, Can well. Can you enlighten me? Sure, sure, sure. Oh my gosh. Hey, Stephanie. Yes. I'm Susan Martin and this is Ron. <laughs> We're with uh, Kansas for Constitutional Freedom. And we just want to find out how you stand on the vote and if you've... I'm actually going to vote no. But it is confusing my son. He's 22 and he was going to vote yes. And I had to explain to him that that's yes didn't mean that you get your rights. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they designed it to be the amendment yeah, to be... you got to read. make sure you read the wording on it. Yeah. So do you think he's going to vote no? He is voting no. Good. You guys going to vote together? Probably. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. I hope. We'll see. Thank you so much.
Despite the uncertainty of the polls, Susan is encouraged by the pro-choice responses that she's hearing in these neighborhoods and those who have come out to help. It's really been a great experience to see how women have come together to make this happen and, and are working very hard on this. These are women that have babies at home, small kids, and they find time to get out there and knock on doors. That's why I'm here. It's very personal to me. This passes through our state legislature. We'll be able to decide whether women can have an abortion. They leave rape, incest, and the life of the mother on the table for them to actually say, yeah, no, no abortions in those cases either. I have one daughter-in-law and one soon-to-be daughter-in-law, and they're going to be having kids soon. It's not going to be good if you have a, an abnormal pregnancy and the fetus isn't going to make it. My son and future daughter-in-law are knocking on doors today for their first time. While the future of abortion access for pregnant people in Kansas hangs in the balance, volunteers on the ground are just one part of a larger network of pro-choice activists who are working hard across several states to both educate the public and change policies. The reproductive justice movement focuses on the intersection of race, class, equity, and access to healthcare. Rachel Fay of the advocacy group Power to Decide explains. So we know who is most harmed by abortion bans and by any restriction on reproductive health care. It is black and brown people and people struggling to make ends meet. And because of a history of systemic racism in this country, any policy that puts their health care further out of reach than it already is, is a racist policy. Similar to pre-Roe v. Wade, those with privilege, those with the ability to take paid time off of work, the ability to arrange transportation, the ability to arrange childcare, the ability to afford that care, will travel to other states to get care. And what remains is a group of people who struggle daily to climb out of poverty, who are now faced with what will likely be an insurmountable barrier for some of them to getting care. Rocky Gonzalez from the Red Moon Project says what's happening now is an escalation that targets some of the most vulnerable Americans. Not having access to abortion adversely affects, in particular, communities that are already marginalized, right? And who's actually going to be targeted for criminalization? Laws that criminalize facilitating abortion are also becoming common in red states. I've been doing reproductive justice work for a really long time through labor justice organizing, through environmental justice organizing, and of course criminal justice organizing. And what we're seeing right now really highlights the intersection between criminal justice and reproductive justice in terms of the way that people are being criminalized in Texas for their pregnancy outcomes and alleged abortion crimes. While Texas started the trend, with the fall of Roe, other states are joining in. Oklahoma and Idaho have recently passed bounty hunter laws, allowing individuals to sue anyone who participates in an abortion. When we're talking about aiding and abetting, the policy language is so broad, 
is essentially anyone who helps anyone else attain abortion care. In addition to the impact on individuals, it takes this network of abortion funds, which are either grassroots unincorporated like collective groups or nonprofit organizations whose central agenda has been to raise funds to pay for abortions and to pay for the practical support costs of abortion like travel and accommodation and childcare. This network of organizations and groups that has provided this safety net and this service is now also being criminalized. And so abortion funds have had to cease funding operations and look towards other means of supporting people to get the reproductive health care that they need. Rachel Faye sees a clear role for advocacy groups and those on the ground who are the frontline community leaders. The architecture of helping people surmount barriers to abortion care exists in the movement already. And we've seen, you know, remarkable resilience on the part of that movement in states like Texas and now Oklahoma. Our job as national advocates is to support that work, to lift it up, and to listen to those folks about what they need. So is what they need additional funding and support for travel? How can we make that happen within the boundaries of state and federal law? Some of those community leaders, like Natasha Chavez, are battling to codify abortion rights in the Arizona State Constitution that we're trying to get on our November ballot. And the Reproductive Rights Initiative is one of them. It got a late start. So we're hoping that with all the energy going on right now that folks will want to sign. He just want to sign, this is the Reproductive Rights Initiative. They only have a few weeks to gather enough signatures to have the initiative added to the midterm ballot. If we get enough signatures, we'll make it a constitutional amendment here in Arizona. We need about 400,000 and that's just like the minimum that we even have to be doing this right now. It's right. It's scary. It, it really Thank is you scary. for being here and yeah. doing this. And then have you signed the Fair Elections Initiative? I will happily. And we're all kind of helping each other out. Voter access kind of goes hand in hand with making sure we have reproductive rights. Another right we're afraid we're going to lose. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. You got everything you yeah, need? I okay. do. Natasha has been spending as much free time as she can in the community collecting signatures. They are so gung-ho and really want to change this that they are coming down in droves. And now we're at that crunch deadline. Hopefully we can make it onto the ballot. I'm an Arizonan through and through. I'm happy that you're here. I just lived down the street, so I saw somebody on TikTok saying that you guys were doing this. There is a certain faction of people that are trying to very intentionally silence people with opinions different than their own in order to maintain their own power and their own money. And I think it's going to ruin our democracy if we don't do something about it. Straight up. Yeah. Folks are afraid to lose power. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And if they can silence people of color and women, then... Thank you, guys. Natasha's daughter, Amelia, is always top of mind. I've had an abortion at 17, and this was in Arizona, in a different time where I could go down to Planned Parenthood without telling my parents. And now I have a daughter who's right on the cusp of puberty and everything. If she wanted to get an abortion, she would not be able to do that. This is not the will of the people. Democracy is supposed to be about the will of the people. And unfortunately, somehow we have the Supreme Court justices who decided they knew what everyone in America wanted. And well, it's not what folks in America want. Even states like Arizona or any other red state, this is not what we want. The overturn of Roe impacted many communities. Back in Texas, Whole Women's Health, 
the only clinic in the Rio Grande Valley is shutting its doors. It was the only place that people could go in South Texas, and especially for people who are undocumented, with access to reproductive health gonna look like in the Rio Grande Valley. So we are expecting more attacks, attacks on emergency contraceptives. The founders of South Texans for Reproductive Justice have come up with a plan to turn the setback into opportunity by creating a hub for pro-choice movement operations on the site of the former clinic. We're like, let's just buy the building and make it our home because we've invested so much time on that corner advocating like after every anti-choice bill. There is a CPC, Crisis Pregnancy Center, that's like next door. And the CPC owner has said she wants to see that clinic leveled and turned into a memorial for the unborn. So, like hell if we're gonna let that happen. <laughs> we're gonna try our very hardest. Yes. Yeah. We toured it, really thinking through what we could do with this space. I think it gave us hope for what we could be doing. This is our way of like grabbing the bull by the horns post row. So it's definitely an opportunity for us to continue the fight together. Fundraising to buy the building is underway, as Noemi explains to volunteers. It is a big endeavor, <laughs> so kind of stay tuned, but we wanted to share with you all what our vision was. And then we're also hoping to have emergency contraception for folks there, pregnancy tests, condoms, and also for it to be for other organizations in the Valley to kind of come together there as well. So it's a big vision. We want to really make sure that people have as much control or autonomy as possible, especially those that cannot travel beyond the border checkpoints that surround the Valley. And hopefully if we can generate more support, then we can be able to offer things like diapers or menstrual supplies or formula and stuff to help really equip families for what is ahead. The Valley is different. It really is. We are getting donations from people who still have their heart here and they know this community still needs support. While work on the ground is never done, back in Kansas, pro-choice activists finally see a payoff for their efforts. On August 2nd, the anti-abortion ballot referendum is rejected in a record-breaking landslide defeat, setting the tone for other state battles. Abortion rights supporters in Kansas celebrated as voters rejected an initiative to remove abortion protections from the state constitution. A resounding victory for the pro-abortion side, a margin of nearly 20 percentage points in a state former President Trump won by nearly 15 points. San Jose State political science professor Donna Crane is talking about the historic primary turnout, about 50 percent compared to the 36 that was predicted. As people actually went to the polls, they checked a box on the abortion question and they left everything else empty. So that tells us something about the motivating quality of this question. Susan is thrilled with the turnout and what it means for the future. I think people realize they have to be very active in local politics. And it's not very glamorous. What the Supreme Court did was rally these young boulders and that's pretty exciting because they are our future. They're getting involved and I don't think it's gonna end. Rachel Fay also knows how critical it is at every turn to educate and empower folks to get involved in the fight. Two months ago, I spoke with a pregnant woman at the dog park and she said to me, they're not really gonna overturn Roe v. Wade, are they? And 
I said to her, most likely they are. I think our job as advocates is for absolutely every one of those people with a shocked face like she gave me to then be motivated to do something. You have to channel frustration into meaningful action, whether that's marching, whether it's organizing, you know, a network of people who can help those who struggle to make ends meet surmount these incredible barriers they're going to face to get abortion access and to elect state policymakers that reflect the will of their population. I do absolutely think that this issue could change future elections just based purely on polling that I'm seeing and conversations I'm having about how much this is in the public consciousness now. Rocky Gonzalez sees some of the factors that led to the landmark win in Kansas at play in Texas, too. People refer to Texas as a red state when in reality, most Texans do want abortion access and access to reproductive services. We are seeing for the first time, at least in the 15 years that I've been doing this work, a wave of unprecedented public support for the cause of abortion. And it's really astounding. We're also seeing really unprecedented voter registration numbers because we have this new wave of ongoing support. It feels really important to be able to mobilize and capture all of these new voters and new supporters of our cause. For the first time in candidates are coming out and really talking about abortion rights. So we have all of these young folks who are no longer willing to allow the kind of administration that Texas has had for so long to govern their bodies and to govern their rights. And so it feels like a really big political culture shift. But even with a precedent-setting win in Kansas, the fight is far from over. State by state, abortion ban restrictions keep popping up taking pregnant people back to oppressive policies from long before Roe was law. The greatest shame of this moment would be if all we did was watch the news, feel outrage, and move on. Regardless of your means, everybody can do something. Donating money to abortion funds and for absolutely everyone, letting your elected officials know at state, local, federal, at every level of government, how you feel about this issue and that you expect them to do something about it. Voters in five states have abortion rights on the ballot in November's election. In Arizona, that won't be the case. An Arizona grassroots campaign has failed in their initiative to get a pro-choice measure on the midterm ballot. Ultimately, they fell short of the goal for this year, but they did collect more than 175,000 signatures, an incredible feat considering the campaign started 61 days ago. And now with their sights set on 2024, they say not to count them out just yet. On September 23rd, an Arizona judge reinstated an 1864 ban on abortion with no exceptions for rape or incest, creating confusion, panic, and effectively putting the state's remaining abortion providers in a chokehold. There is no world in which any policymaker elected to represent you, whether you voted for them or not, should not be hearing from you about how you feel about this decision. This has to stay at the top of the radar for our policymakers at all levels of government. I don't want people to just watch the news and be outraged. I want uh-huh. them to feel motivated to take action and to know that as dark as like the coming days may be, this is not a place where we have nothing we can do. And as that fight continues in Arizona, Natasha Chavez is committing further to the cause. I'm running for the state house because I believe we need more progressive women of color at our state legislature, especially here in Arizona. I'm fighting for my daughter 
I'm fighting for myself and 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 also for folks I frankly don't know. And also, I, I'm also fighting for that woman who did vote for Trump and who might have who might get pregnant and might want an abortion. It doesn't matter if we agree. I still think you deserve um, to have those options. And Natasha's eight-year-old daughter, Amelia, echoes the next generation of activists who realize there's no time like the present to stand up in the fight for civil rights. At first, I thought about it being, like, making me feel, like, powerless and stuff. But now I think of it, like, making me feel more power. Next time on Crossing the Line... Available for over two decades, medicated abortions are now the most common abortion treatment in the country. Yes, so they are incredibly safe, safer than Viagra or Tylenol. They've actually been in medical practice since 2000, so if you order it through the mail, they'd be the same thing you would receive if you were to walk into a clinic. While some may be nervous about self-managing an abortion, healthcare advocate Jex Blackmore launched a campaign in Detroit, Michigan, detailing how simple it is. I was asked to appear on local Fox syndicate on a show called Let It Rip to discuss the availability of mail order abortion pills. I had been talking about abortion pills for several months and really working on getting the word out about how they work and the availability of the medication through the mail. And I saw it as an opportunity to dispel some of the stigma and misconceptions about taking abortion medication. Charlie, I just want to share with you, this year is mifepristone. This is the first of two pills you would take to end a pregnancy, and it would induce an abortion, this very pill, by blocking the hormone and allowing a pregnancy to grow. And I want to show you how easy it is and safe it is by taking it myself. You're taking it? Are you? Are you not? Are you? You're not pregnant, are you? I would say that this is going to end a pregnancy. Wow. That doesn't happen often. This is Crossing the Line. This podcast was brought to you by Population Media Center. Executive producers are Lisa Caruso and Alex Demenenko. Co-producer is Kathleen Bedoya and associate producer is Dominica Ruelas. This episode is field produced by Joanna Friedman, Ron Kent, and Eric Vasquez. Edited by Bruno Falcon with production services provided by Pitch Productions. Production coordinating is by June Neely, Impact Strategy is led by Charity Twos, and original music is by Valerie Ortiz. Narration is read by Tatiana St. Fard. Special thanks to South Texans for Reproductive Justice, Rocky Gonzalez and the Red Moon Project, Representative Sharice Davids, Emily Wales, and the team at Planned Parenthood Great Plains, Susan Martin and the Wyandotte County Democrats, Rachel Fay and the team at Power to Decide, and Natasha and Amelia Chavez. And of course, to all those who shared their stories with us. An additional thank you to our partners, Power to Decide, AbortionFinder.org, and Plan C Pills. Check out ctlpod.com for abortion resources and ways to take action. Subscribe and review CTL Pod on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts.